What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Citizens of Lorcana podcast. A podcast where we invite you to be a part of their world. We're your host, Jared and James, and today we are talking about the lore of Lorcana. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Hey everyone, welcome, welcome to another week. Last pod, we talked to Adara about starting into Lorcana with zero prior TCG experience. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and check it out. And today we're discussing the story of Lorcana with more special guests. That's right, guest. Uh, I think James and I are both interested in the story of Lorcana, but it isn't our primary focus. So today we're instead bringing on a panel of guests who have been speculating about the story of Lorcana since the game was first announced. And these guests need no introduction to those of you in the Lorcana HQ Discord server. We are pleased to welcome Surreal. Hello. And oh. Parker Rob. Hey, how's it going? And Levram. Hello. All right. Cool. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. This will be a slightly different pod as it is mostly speculative. We are hoping to piece some things together as we attempt to figure out the story of Lorcana. The source material is mostly taken from the official website and the write-up by Eric Switzer over at thegamer.com, which we will link to in the show notes. Now this episode will be broken down into two parts. First, what we know about the story and the implications of those uh, facts. And second, what we'd like to know. So first, let's start with what we know. All right. So one of the things we know, of course, is that this takes place in Lorcana, which is uh, features the center of it, the Great Illuminary. And that the game is focused on both the interactions of the Glimmers, which are Disney characters and items, and the Illumineers, which are us, the players. Um, so in the article uh, with uh, the head of story, uh, Samantha McFerrin, uh, in that the Gamer article, um, she mentioned things like the action cards, like Dragonfire, represent actions taken by the Glimmers, but that there will also be actions that can be taken by us, the Illumineers, uh, and then that should uh, basically start us thinking about the things that can happen in the game. So what do you guys think of this? And uh, who wants to kick it off with what they think this means? So, I mean, I didn't actually index too much on that comment um, in terms of the the actions and kind of us or the glimmers taking actions. I think of it kind of more as, um, you know, we've, we've how many action cards have we seen? Just one or two, I think. Um, I, I kind of think yeah, of it just... more, yeah, it's just the dragon fire. Um, we can't tell yet, but I think it's kind of from a story perspective, 
it's one of those things where it's like, okay, the the um, glimmers may be taking some action, but you notice like with Dragonfire specifically, it matches Maleficent's uh, ability in terms of name. Um, so I think that's hinting at the the glimmer themselves having the action. But then I suspect there's going to be some of those action cards where it doesn't map to the action or the ability on any particular glimmer. And I think that's probably the scenario where uh, an Illumineer is going to be the one taking that action. So that's kind of how I interpreted that, um, at least mapping the the fact that some action cards map to glimmer characters and some don't. Um, that, that's how I interpret it. Yeah, I, I do wonder if, um, you know, so another action card that we have is the Healing Glow. And I wonder if that ability is going to be uh, you, you know, healing glow, if that's going to be an ability that uh, Rapunzel has, um, or if, you know, healing a character is something that the Illumineer does, you know, by virtue of, of this magic, um, you know, so uh, that remains to be seen. Um, I do wonder if, you know, the flourish non-flourish has anything to do here. Um, Dragonfire doesn't have a flourish and, you know, it's an action being taken by a glimmer that, you know, already exists. You know, it, you know, if Maleficent is, you know, breathing fire, then, you know, she already is existing in, um, you know, in, in the realm of Lorcana. So I don't know if there's any implications there or not. Uh, an idea that came to me, actually, while watching... Um the hobbies and happiness um that live infamous word for uh, no not the live stream the the infamous word for dan the speculation video oh, yeah. <laughs> um their speculation video they were speculating on there being cards that would interact with the lore that you gained and speculating that there may be cards that um where you interact with like your opponent's lord like take away two or three or, or something like that and i feel like that fits right in here where that would be something that the illumineer would be doing like you're both racing to get that lore you're gonna try to do whatever you can to uh interfere with your opposing Illumineer <laughs> and trying to get to your goal faster. <laughs> so those that might be the type of action card that might be something that the Illumineers will be doing. Yeah, I think that the basics of it, though, if we're looking at it from the development standpoint, this is the story reason for why we're playing the game and the things that we as the players can do to interact in the game with the other players. And this is just the way they, they basically fit it into the story is that, you know, not all actions are taken by the glimmers because we're doing some things that don't really make sense for a glimmer to do. Correct. Right. So this is basically just the way that they fit it in. And of course you have to build that story around it. And then you can delve deeper into the story with just knowing that there's a bunch of things that the game player is going to have to do. You can then build story around that. Yeah, I like that take a lot. Um, in terms of like when one Illumineer is specifically targeting another Illumineer, 
from a story perspective, it, it makes sense why you kind of take the glimmer out of the equation. The thing that jogged my brain juices about this was Adara last week <clears throat> when she was talking about, oh, this might be like you break your opponent's ink caster. And it just made me think maybe these are like uh, the Uno type card interactions where you have skip a turn or draw five cards. But in this case, you know, it's a, you, you lose two lore or whatever. Things like that, that inter <clears throat> interfere with your uh, opponent's ability to play the game of Lorcana. That's what I was thinking these uh, other actions might be. Yeah, that's a good, great point. It could be something like, you know, something like Mill in uh, in Magic, you know, where they discard the top two cards of their <clears throat> their library or whatever we're going to call it here in, in Lorcana. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a great point. You know, things that, um, you know, affect the other Illumineers ability to, you know, to play cards. And yeah, it's cool. Okay. Well, we know that the great Illuminary has a lore book and floating above the book are these story stars that contain fragments of Disney stories. For me, this was one of the most like illuminating insights from the article where these story stars, uh, we know that to bring a glimmer to life, it will take the light of story stars and the magical ink from the ink caster, the staff of the Illumineer. And in the article, it says, you know, um, Disney characters and items that only exist in Lorcana. Using the Great Illuminaries lore book and a tool called the Ink Caster, we combine magical inks with story stars containing fragments of Disney stories to summon glimmers that add to the lore of Lorcana. Together, our job is to adventure across Lorcana, seeking out this valuable resource called lore to preserve and protect it from all threats. Now, we will talk about the threats facing Lorcana later, but what do we make of the rest of this about the story stars and the ink caster? What do, what do you guys think about that? I think that the story stars uh, reveal, if you will, I think that that has, you know, probably some pretty big implications on gameplay. Um, you know, the story star, that's a term that we haven't heard before this. And we've known about the magical ink, you know, it, it, it seems it's, it has seemed pretty clear that the magical ink was going to be, you know, the resource that we use to summon the glimmers um, and, you know, play the abilities. Um, but this introduction of story stars and, and the talk of, you know, combining them together, I think I'm not 100% sold on, on this game using, you know, a two resource uh like a, a multiple a two resource system but i think that you know this kind of hints towards that being a possibility um you know whether or not i mean still again <laughs> we have no idea how to play the game um <laughs> no idea if if resources are going to be in deck you know if it's going to be something like hearthstone where they generate every turn but uh you know in my my mind the addition of story stars um to me it sounds like something that we're going to have to spend you know in order to to play the cards so oh, it's interesting i think of it almost from the the other side and i think you know it's an interesting theory but like i think of it from the other side where in the disney universe of what does a star mean right the wishing star is one of the, the major ones and i know they have their movie wish i think coming out later this year and I just think of it as a, maybe it's a way to distinguish the stars in the Disney universe. And like, 
these aren't just any stars that are being sucked into the great illuminary to uh, create these glimmers, but maybe it's specific stars and maybe they're starting to kind of flesh out what are the stars in, in the Disney universe and maybe they have different abilities or traits or whatever it happens to be. And, and I think of that almost more, not so much from the Larkana perspective, but more from that wish movie itself, where it's just trying to understand like, what is a wishing star? And there's, I think there's a bunch of other kinds of stars probably going to show up in that movie. And is this going to be one of those kind of stars? And I'm thinking of it almost from the, that's that angle. Wait. So when you say the stars, are you talking about like the stars of the movies? Like the no, Hercules no. is a star. No, like actual stars. Okay. Physical stars. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, stars do take a, a very big prominence in a lot of Disney movies. So you know, the, you know, the, you know, in Peter Pan, you know, you head out to the, you know, the second star on the right or whatever it is. And just the all, Lion all King, the, you know, all the different wishes and everything on stars. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's very important. So using it as stars in the, in, in this Disney game, I think is obviously a key thing. Uh, and just tying it to all of essentially all of Disney history. Yeah, yeah, this uh, in particular reminds me a lot of Kingdom Hearts, if you've ever played those games. And that game, all the different worlds that you visit, which are all these Disney worlds, are stars in the lore of Kingdom Hearts. In the very first game, you're exploring because you notice all the stars are going out and all these worlds are disappearing. So you're trying to figure out what's going on there. So... It, it sounds very much like uh, for Lorcana, these are these worlds that you're taking inspiration from and drawing your inspiration from them and uh, bringing it to the great illuminary. For what purpose? I don't know yet, but that's kind of one of the ideas that I've been speculating on uh, oh, in the case of the stars. So you're thinking the story stars are like the different stories and maybe it could even be like later in the article talks about how, you know, Hades sitting on the throne actually happened in Lorcana. And you're saying maybe the story star is the world in which that happened. Is that, is that what you're saying? It, maybe not specifically where that happened, but where you're pulling your inspiration from. Like the story star is maybe where Hercules is happening. And then from there, you're using your ink and uh, that right. to create your glimmers. Uh, and I believe it's mentioned in the article that the, um, that like the dreamborns are created by the imagination of the illumineers. So that uh, you're making your own tweaks to these characters as you're pulling your inspiration from them and creating your glimmers. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't know if we're gonna we had a specific section on that, but the way they explained it in the article is storyborn is essentially the same thing as if it came out of the the Disney movie. And that's the character, um, the glimmer. But the dreamborn, as you said, is by the imagination of the illumineer. And so it's each individual illumineer putting their spin on that Disney character. So um, I think the story stars are just like recorded copies of Disney stories. And that's basically all that it is. Um, 
and then the you know the the we're then bringing in the the stories and using them to the benefit of creating the lore that's where you know all of those story stars are coming in and of course i of course also think there's got to be some kind of reason why we're using the story stars to create it there has to be something something from that than just pulling the character from it or the item i think also that there may be something with uh the resources yeah that's so interesting everybody has a different take on what these story stars are i love it so do we have any other comments about uh the star the story stars maybe it's a bigger question but it's like for me uh I'm wondering where Lorcana fits into the Disney universe um, from a storytelling perspective, right? Disney has a very, you know, many, many um, different stories and there's an opportunity to, to weave those together. And Lorcana could be the venue in which some of those get woven together. And they've done it with other things too, like Kingdom Hearts and what have you, right? Um, so I'm really curious to see, you know, how much freedom uh, Ravensburger has and you know where Disney wants to take that storytelling as well, and I just think it's going to be interesting. So I'm excited to see it. And and not to bring up what is one of the most off-debated topics on the Lorcan HQ Discord server, but bringing in other IPs beyond the Walt Disney Animation Studios, like Pixar and Marvel and Star Wars, the the background of this story, like easily accounts for all of that because all you have to do is like oh look we found more stars and oh look they have pixar characters in them and then all the, look at these stars over here that we didn't know they're in this they showed up uh recently and look all these stars have marvel characters in them it just easily allows them to bring in all of the any ip they want that is owned by disney into the Lorcana universe no i mean i i think that they'll definitely i'm sure that they'll bring in you know, Pixar, I think, is 100%. I think, at least in my mind, uh, when I think of Disney, Pixar isn't any separate. You know, all those Disney Pixar movies are Disney movies, even if even though they're not, you know, Disney Animation Studios or, or whatever the technical canon term is. Um, you know, to me, there's no denying the Toy Story is a, is a Disney movie. Um, and to lock out Pixar uh, properties from... Orkana would be a huge miss. Um, I'm sure that it's just, you know, a licensing thing that, um, you know, they'll eventually, you know, work out, um, you know, but then you get to the IPs that Disney has acquired, um, great IPs, but they don't necessarily feel like Disney to me. Um, and I'm not against them, you know, coming into the game, uh, you know, eventually I just, I wouldn't necessarily expect them or, you know, personally, want them um but i'm not gonna make a fuss about it either way i i love i love the mcu um i've tried to like star wars i think i'm one of the you know few nerds that doesn't care for it um but um yeah i will say i don't know if you guys ever played disney infinity but that game is the closest i can think of where they did these crossover type things and they were all done in the same type of animation. And I know Disney Infinity fell flat on its face, but the game itself was really fun. And I loved being able to play with Jack Sparrow and Anakin Skywalker. Like, that was so cool. Or, or Ahsoka. And, I mean, I don't care either way. 
Um, I don't know how we got on this debate about <laughs> IPs here. Like, I don't care either way, but I wouldn't mind if they do. And I wouldn't mind if they stay because these characters with the Floodborne versions, they could iterate them in any way possible. Like they really could have a Halloween set of Disney Floodborne characters. That'd be like a dream come true for me. I don't think that'll ever happen, but it could happen. Um, the possibilities are limitless and they could just iterate on these characters forever. Yep. And I think that uh, your idea of a Halloween set is probably more likely to happen than not happen, actually. Especially years down the line when they are start coming out with lots of specialized sets and and, you know, they need to come up with ideas to fill in, you know, the next quarter set, you know, oh, let's do a Halloween set for release in September, October. So I think it's definitely possible. Secret layer. <laughs> I'm so hoping for the Christmas Carol set. <laughs> oh, yeah. Muppets yeah. Christmas. Yeah, me, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Mickey Christmas person with Scrooge McDuck, and it's like, oh, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> So much, so much stuff. A hundred years of stuff, people. We have a hundred years of stories that they could pull into this game. It's crazy. So many stars to pull from. Yeah. <laughs> so, as we're talking about this, we know that Lorcana is not just the book in the Great Illuminary, uh, and not just the Great Illuminary, but it's an actual location. And uh, besides, you know, the halls of Lorcana, we also know that there's the presence of the Inklands. Um, which was something that was brand new. Uh, so we have um, McFerrin also said in the article that uh, the, per you know, what the purpose of lore is, what the forces that are threatening Lorcana, um, and that each piece of lore is a fragment of a larger story. And that while much of it is kept safe in the halls of Lorcana, others have been scattered throughout the Inklands. So those are locations and things that we have to keep in mind about the story as a whole this is just pieces of the story so what do you guys think about the fact that there's an actual world that is Lorcana? how long do you have so <laughs> so like I, I have a lot of thoughts on this and actually i think that article really helped clarify some things because i think a lot of us were thinking hey maybe this is a multiverse type situation where there's different versions of elsa and anna between dreamborn and storyborn and floodborn and what have you and they come from different universes and i think that article actually made it pretty clear they're like no there's a relatively singular realm of lorcana and it has these inklings within it and you know these i think the description was you know hades specifically sitting on that throne no that's existing in the realm of lorcana and um what, what i really hearken to uh with a lot of Morcana is actually a, a movie from when I was a kid that I used to love is just the never ending story. And I, I always think back to the main antagonist in that movie was the nothing, right? And in the game of Lorcana, we see all these allusions to light, right? Where illumineers, the great illuminary uh, glimmers. And what's the antithesis of light? Usually darkness or, or nothing. And um, similarly, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be the same story, obviously, but I think similarly to the never-ending story, um, there was also a quote in that article that talked about uh, we as the Lumineers were brought to the realm of Lorcana because of our imagination. And one of the themes of that movie and the book that preceded it was that the realm, that realm was dying because people didn't have imagination and, and, and people weren't reading books and so on and so forth. So um, I, I see a lot of kind of 
corollaries between the two. Um, maybe it's getting ahead of things a little bit, talking about you know the antagonist and what have you. But I think in the same way that in the Neverending Story you had different areas of this world. Um, you know, you had the palace and you had these rock munchers or whatever they're called, like just the different uh, parts of that story. I think similarly, you could imagine having um, these different inklings and maybe they are themed similar to the six inks we see in Lorcana. And, you know, there's some stories that happen there. And I, I think we could probably all imagine video games or something based on that kind of setup that would be really fun to play. So um, I, I, it opened some eye, it opened my eyes at least hearing that, hey, this isn't a multiverse. No, it's a, it's a realm that's expansive. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm really glad that we got this com confirmation because, you know, before looking at the cards, you know, you'd see Robin Hood and he's, you know, he's knocking uh, his arrow. And so I'm wondering, is is this just a, you know, a, a piece of art, a, you know, a photo of him in Sherwood Forest in his own story? Or is he here? Is he here in Lorcana? You know, is that, you know, a place that... Um, that as Illumineers that we would go, you know, we would be there with, you know, with Robin Hood. And um, so I'm glad we got that confirmation. I, I kind of, you know, was thinking that this is, you know, a place that we would be in Lorcana, because if you look at some of the art of, um, for example, uh, Scar, um, he's still a, a storyborn. Um, I think he's, yeah, he's still storyborn. But if you see like the cave, um, and, you know, you look at the rocks behind him, it has, you know, these circular patterns um, that are representative of the sapphire ink. Um, it, you see, you know, little circles with the dots, you know, kind of looks like a model of the of an atom or something like that. Um, so you see that all over his art um, in uh, I'm trying to I mean, you, you clearly see that in the art for um, the sapphire uh, Maleficent um, in human form. Um, even some of the other arts like um, Moana, we still don't really know much about what her card will be, but the dunes in the background, um, you know, the overlapping sand kind of looks like the, um, the amber uh, ink um, image that they had showed before. So, um, so I think that uh, there were hints before that these story or that these characters were represented in the realm of Lorcana. Um, rather than in their own worlds, but I'm really glad that we got some confirmation on that. Yeah, uh, I will say this has given particular credence to the particular theory that we may get location cards, and I, the Inklands sound like that kind of thing, like where are we right now, and being able to play down to, oh, we're going to be in the sapphire inklings and that'll be some sort of effect that we have to deal with or something yeah, I just feel like it, it makes it more of a possibility that there are named locations and seeing uh, what that turns out to be whether it's just going to be for story purposes or something we'll actually see in game remains to be seen but I think it gives a little more credence to that theory <laughs> I haven't, you know, I haven't really thought that we would see any type of um, location cards in, in Lorcana, you know, before this. Um, my thought was, no, there's no indication. Now, you know, I'm thinking, you know, maybe, maybe there will be um, as just kind of, you know, global effects. Um, 
you know, could be, you know, could be that, you know, both players can have a location um, played or, or just one, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I'm in the same boat as you. I did not think locations were a possibility. Um, but hearing George talk about maybe we're in the Sapphire Inkland or maybe we're in the Steel Inkland, or, I mean, the fact that they feel like it's important enough for us to know that these locations exist, tell me that like they want to bring them up for nothing. And the analogy I've heard people use, I haven't played Pokemon, but people have said in Pokemon, the card game, they have like stadium cards that you can put on the table. And I think maybe there's only one stadium card at a time and the um, benefits on that card applies across the board. And I guess if they're going to bring in locations, that would be a reasonable way to do it. I'm just happy that they are just doing so much detailed work to make this like a fully fleshed out universe where, like you said, you can see the inks design pattern in the backgrounds and other design aspects of the individual art from all these different artists that they basically hired all of these artists to do like, here, give us a, give me your version of like stitch and like, and don't forget to put in this little bit of a design somewhere into it and telling that to, you know, however many artists they hire to do 204 pieces of art a set and working that into every single little piece of art somewhere. I mean, on the, it's, we don't know it's a card yet. I'm, I'm sure it is, but the, uh, the uh, Hakuna Matata scene, the, the log that they're walking on has the amber threads on as as the vines on the log and i mean just little things like that are just it's just incredible seeing just all of that detail and the time they spent making sure everything had a connection to that it is it's just oozing with flavor you know they're they're definitely doing a great job with with the art and the flavor and i love the attention to detail i think you know what initially drew me in when i first saw the pictures of the cards was the artwork and it's just beautiful but i think what really kind of captures the imagination and potentially holds you there is that story longer term and i think that i see a really nice attention to detail on both of those um and i'm i'm excited about where the story could lead and they're really setting themselves up in in a nice way where it's like they're building some of the foundational pieces to tell a story but without going into too much detail or without revealing too much and so yeah even if we don't know the full story in the first chapter in the first year, there's a lot of pieces there that they could build on um, without just leaving it completely open-ended. So I'm really excited. Well, that is actually one of the future questions that we were going to ask, but let's talk about it now. I mean, the thing that I love is exactly like what you're saying. This story sounds like it's part of a four um, chapter series like maybe there's four chapters in this book of Lorcana, and it sounds like I'm trying to pull up the quote here, but it sounds like the story builds on itself. So it's like, are we going to be left with cliffhangers after, you know, the first chapter? Like if we were to watch the first episode or first part of a two part movie, um, here's the quote. Um, McFerrin says that each set continues the story forward. The first storyline, which begins in the first chapter this August, will continue its overarching storyline across the first four sets. Robinsberger has conformed a quarterly release schedule. Anyway, so, I mean, and, and this kind of ties into the question we were going to ask about the threats facing Lorcana. 
what do you guys make of this four-part story and what kind of threats do you think are going to reveal themselves I, I mean, I think I mentioned earlier, like the, I, I think the threat is going to be somehow related to darkness and um, what I, you know, I think a lot of the Disney stories do a really, I'll say good job of kind of simplifying complex things down. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's a, a hero and a villain. And I mean, this is more the traditional Disney. And I think they've, you know, more modern films have gotten more nuanced. And actually, I love those too, like Encanto and what have you. Um, but some of the older films were very kind of good and evil, black and white, whatever you want to call it. And um, I, I think that that's what I think of as probably the most likely underlying story. You know, it's like, hey, we're in this, we're pulled into this luminary. It sounds like the luminary itself brought us here due to our imaginations. Um lots of questions like who created this place where did they go what happened to them like all super exciting and i'm i'm personally hoping that for the first four sets and kind of the social media posts and everything else that goes along with the story that gets built up is to help explain the scene like why are we here maybe even who created it or at least what's the threat to this place and is it a um, is it one of those kind of conscious uh, antagonists where it's like, no, somebody intends harm to this. Somebody wants to do away with light or imagination or whatever it happens to be. Or is it more one of those apathetic things where it's like, hey, you know, the the, the world stopped caring and became cynical and we need to bring the light back to it. I don't know, um, but I, I, I definitely see things leaning that way. So, yeah, I, I think that at least for this first chapter, I don't think. I don't think it's going to be, you know, some big bad. I don't think it's going to be some villain, you know, that's trying to, you know, take over the gray luminary or anything like that. I think that it will be something like just general darkness or um, I, I think somebody mentioned um, in Dream Night, Dreamlight Valley um, that the, you know, threat in Dreamlight Valley, the, the Disney uh, game is is like forgetting, you know? Um, so, so I think that this darkness and we kind of see it in the first trailer, you know, a, you know, creeping up on the great luminary. I think it will be darkness or forgetting or, you know, apathy, um, just something nebulous like that. But that said, I think, you know, to create a compelling story going forward in the future, you do kind of need a big bad or, you know, some type of, you know, physical antagonists um it it could be you know it could be you know a glimmer goes rogue or something like that and uh and you know has a plan of its own but i think at least for this first chapter you know kind of um kind of the way they do things in the mcu where you know one phase will have uh you know one villain or or have one threat but then you know after a few phases it, it gets to you know a big bad i i think it'll go more more that direction uh, get comfortable <laughs> here because <laughs> i have a take <laughs> um kind of ringing off of your the comment that you made of uh glimmer going rogue they have not they explained the storyborn and dreamborn. They did not explain what the floodborn are. They said that's coming later in the story. Mm. 
So my theory right now is uh, something with the magical ink being kind of like a double-edged sword where you can use it to create these dreamborns. The dreamborns are the ones that we essentially create. The storyborns are what we copy. The floodborn to me just seems like the idea of the magical ink kind of taking over and becoming too much and now we got this crazy alternate universe sort of version of the uh, glimmer that we maybe did not intend to make initially and just something with that something with the ink becoming too much it put into the wrong hands. Maybe there is someone that's creating glimmers that's like Hades, it's where he has taken over Olympus and everything. It's like, why would we do that as Illumineers? Hmm. So maybe something with the ink, where basically how we use the ink is what's going to help or hurt the great illuminary and Lorcana in general just something along those lines that's my current running theory like uh, uh, unintended consequences yeah, yeah so i have a question for you all i mean those are all amazing theories but how would this story play out in a card game i mean maybe if it was a co-op card game where you were racing to rescue a floodborn I don't know, but it doesn't sound like Lorcana is going to be that, or will be, or will the story more likely be told outside of the card game, and it's just an- ancillary to the game. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes total sense. I, I, personally, I think the story is going to be a little bit ancillary to the to the game itself, um, but you know, given the company Disney behind the story and their amazing ability to create very powerful stories i think it has a lot of potential so even if it is one of those things where it's somewhat ancillary and and i'll look uh, look to kind of magic the gathering like i know there's tons of lore behind that game and stories that were built around it and, and what have you but and you could play the game without knowing anything about the story you know i did for several years um but I think Disney is in a unique position where they could take that story and really run with it. So yes, you have a, a card game that over time evolves and explains the story, but also you could build so much more around it. You know, imagine comic books or television series or video games or even movies in the same universe, explaining the same story and fleshing it out and giving the motivations for all these things. You know, was it uh, an, an accident? Somebody spilled the ink and you get floodborne. Is it, no, there is that big bad, but we don't find out until four sets in and a year later. Um, and so I, I think there's a lot of possibility, but it's, I don't think it's necessary to tell the story in the game, but I think you can help evolve it through both the game and the storytelling alongside it. And Robbins Berger having Disney as a partner really opens the door to some of that. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. My, my, uh, you know, main game <clears throat> over the years has been magic. Um, and, and I see, it, you know, taking, you know, a lot of, uh, I, I think Lorcana will probably borrow a lot from, from magic, for, you know, for good reason, but I think the storytelling is going to be uh, one of the things it takes from it um, where, the story itself, you know, is grand and overarching. Um, and the story 
you know, for each set informs, you know, the mechanics in that set and it informs the flavor and the design of the cards in the set. But when you're playing a match against your opponent, um, that store, the story of, of magic doesn't really play out, um, you know, turn by turn. Um, it just kind of, yeah, you know, it just kind of informs what cards will be in that set and what type of mechanics you'll see. And it can get super flavorful. Um, but the game, you know, a, a match itself doesn't tell the story. Um, and, and I think that's, I think that that's kind of what, um, is going to happen with Lorcana as well. Yeah, that's definitely not in the game itself, but through the cards. And by that, I just mean the card art. We can see uh, that's where I see potentially more glimpses of the story. But yeah, through the cards themselves, through the art, um, like I'm looking at uh, Tinkerbell and Hook. And I'm thinking through the Dreamborn Steel or just Dreamborn uh, Peter Pan cards, looking at all of those together, there might be some like interconnected story in between those. Because in the Steelborn hook, we see that Tinkerbell has been captured potentially. Uh, and, and maybe there might be a Peter Pan card where Tinkerbell is with Peter Pan and flying off together away from Hook or something. Uh, I've seen those kind of stories told throughout the cards and games like Pokemon and um, Yu-Gi-Oh! even uh, has various stories told throughout their cards too. Those are really hard to find, but <laughs> they're there. <laughs> I think that's a great call, by the way, that the art may hint at some of these things because uh, I mean, we haven't seen enough cards yet to really know, but <laughs> excuse me, but like, for example, will we have multiple different versions of the same character that are from different time periods and different parts of the story or what have you. Right. And it's like, if they really want to keep that first chapter cohesive and the, the broader kind of four sets in that first year cohesive, then what we should be seeing is kind of characters that from set to set are maybe evolving or within that same set, like you're mentioning the uh, tiny tactician Tinkerbell and the uh, Dreamborn Captain Hook, right? They should kind of look like they go together. And you could imagine narratives putting them together in the same place at the same time. And you also have to remember all the way back to the very first cards revealed, the flavor text on Elsa specifically mentions story you know essentially which is recreated by magical ink elsa found herself in an unfamiliar new world fortunately ice works the same way everywhere so i mean it's right there on that one of the very first cards you know of what we're doing and what's yeah. going on so i mean yeah the cards are gonna have something yeah one thing flavor to note they, they they changed that flavor text between d23 and the first chapter just an interesting uh, change. And I think they changed unfamiliar world to uh, what was it entirely new world or something? Yeah, just, that's it. Yeah. It's just interesting. Like I, when I see it, they made slight changes here and there and it makes me wonder like, hmm, was there a story reason to change some of these things or was it just, you know, some alignment thing or what yeah, have you? It's just ironing some things out, I think, but Could yeah, be. definitely. That's another great point. Yeah. The flavor text will have a lot of the story bits too, especially for yeah. the Dreamborn cards. I feel like we'll have a lot more of those tidbits. Yeah, I, I think that uh, flavor text in in particular, I think 
Uh, yeah, the word was an unfamiliar new world. They changed it to an entirely new world. And I think they changed that because uh, they've decided that this is a familiar world. Um, you know, the the world that um, that Elsa is in, in her card art, I think that it is familiar to her, but it is, you know, it is different. It's it's not the world she she came from, um, but it is still familiar to, to her. So I think that's probably why they changed that one. But yeah, there's there's so much to glean from from these, you know, flavor texts that, um, you know, you read them um, and they don't seem like much, you know, just a, a little sentence here and there. But I, I think there is a lot that you can pull from them uh if you you know if you care to look <laughs> way too deeply um you know with a fine tooth comb oh, we would never do that come on <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what theory crafting what <laughs> yeah so we had some questions which i think we've already basically covered with threats to the great illuminary and actual representations of things in Lorcana. I think we've basically covered all that. So we're moving into that area of things that we would like to know. And uh, we already talked about Floodborne. So I guess, is there anything left? Uh, oh, we don't want to know, like, as you mentioned, what are our theories about who created Lorcana? You know, will we ever find out who that is? Will that ever be something that becomes part of the story more than someone was created it someone had created it and uh, we know who it is but they're never going to be seen because now that's no longer part of the story now we're the story i mean what do you think is going to happen there i think uh, blake has an answer there was a passage in the story that they put on the website that really just hit me in uh, the part where it's talking about the ink caster it's an ink caster, and when you pick it up, it feels both exciting and familiar. So I'm wondering if we're going to have kind of like a Dreamlight Valley story where we forgot that we were the first Illumineer and that we've come back to this now mm. down the line, something uh, along those lines. And if we're not, I I definitely want to know who was. <laughs> That's an interesting thought. It is because if you follow that through what they say later in the uh, in the text on the website, other Illumineers across the globe will be called to the aid of Lorcana. So, you know, if you are, if you have forgotten, if you're the first one back, are you the cure? The the person who created it and you're just coming back and then now all the yellow luminaries are coming back or was it something that was created by the collective imagination of everybody uh who is an illumineer like is it one person or is it everybody i'm kind of you know it's interesting initially half jokingly i was thinking like it'd be you know cool or funny if it was you know um walt disney was the was the creator of it or if um the the wizard in Fantasia, I think his name's was it Yen Yen Sid? Sid. Yeah. Yeah. Like Yen Sid. like in but the more I think about it, the more I kind of wonder if it isn't better to kind of keep the Wizard of Oz behind his curtain and just not actually know. And there's always some mystery there to where it was created. Maybe we learn more about the history of it over time and what have you. But I'm actually not sure that I want to know the full history of it. Um 
maybe I just enjoy kind of having a little bit of mystery there. I don't know. I, I haven't, I, I, I haven't placed my finger quite on where it came from. Um, I think if you look at the pictures of the great illuminary and what have you, it looks very constructed. Um, you know, we, we joke about the Dyson sphere and what have you, but it's like, it looks like it was intentional. It doesn't look like something organic or, you know, just that came out of nowhere to me. Um, so I think there took some engineering or illumineering to, to create it. Um, but I think, I think I kind of don't want to know maybe, or at least not yet. Maybe it's just too early. You have to leave some mystery there. I, I was of the, of the same opinion. I wondered if it was Yen Sid, but if we have a sorcerer Mickey already, then it would stand to reason that Yen Sid is probably in Lorcana as well. Yeah, but is he a glimmer or is he the creator? I don't know. He appears in Fantasia, which was done by Walt Disney Animation Studios and therefore is open to be a glimmer. Anything in Walt Disney Animation Studios, I think, is is up for grabs. Did Disney ever did Walt Disney ever appear in, in one of his movies or or shorts? I don't know. That's good a good question. question. Yeah. I think Mickey was kind of his personification, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> Parker, thoughts? Yeah, sorry, I'm I'm trying to work it out with <laughs> avoiding um yeah some other thing. Um it, they did say um I think they did say in the article that we will find out more um, about who's behind it all in the, um, in the, I don't know if it's called the visual guide or art guide or whatever. Um, player's guide. From, yeah, yeah, the player's guide in the in the Illumineers Trove. Um, so it looks like that's at least one avenue that they uh, want to use to help flesh out the story. Um, so I think we'll definitely, I mean, maybe they won't, pull back the curtain all the way, but maybe we'll get some hints about, you know, about where this all came from, where, how this started. I think that that's, that'll be a good place to, um, to get some more story tidbits, but I, I would really be interested in, in seeing more. We've talked about, um, you know, we've joked about like a, you know, a movie or a TV show about, um, you know, about Lorcana. And I think that, I think that that's a great idea. Um, I think that I've been in and out of um, Magic the Gathering, you know, pretty much since high school. I, I play for a couple of years and then stop, play for a couple of years and stop. Um, but I, it, one of the times I started playing again was because I watched um, a trailer for one of the sets. You know, it was just like a two minute trailer um, for War of the Spark. Um, and, you know, I, I was completely out of Magic at that time, watched this trailer and instantly i i went out i i think i downloaded uh magic the gathering arena and i i bought some packs and uh tried to get my friends to to draft with me um but i i think i think they have a lot of possible avenues um to get people into the game rather than you know just having having them you know having potential customers see um you know see a pack on the shelves i think that um the disney marketing machine um can reach a lot of people in a lot of, you know, interesting and, um, and, you know, fulfilling ways. It is ripe for the picking. I would agree. I really want to see the trailer for the next Lorcana set as the, you know, preview to whatever major Disney film is coming out at the time. Just those <laughs> same kind of trailers, just have the two minute short showing the next set of Lorcana. It'd be very cool. 
All right. I have one more question that wasn't on the list that I was just thinking about. So in the game itself, there's a mechanic called shift. And the way we explain it is it's going to be like Pokemon or Digimon where you evolve your uh, character into another form. But lore wise, what do you think the explanation for shift would be? I believe I kind of talked about it when I was talking about uh, the magical link being a double edged sword. So I, it's definitely invokes that feeling of an overflow of ink. And it, it's like you used your ink to make this character, but then all of a sudden you're taking even more ink and it's transforming this character even more from the Dreamborn to the uh, Floodborn. That's uh, right. You did say that. Yeah. 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 I think we've seen, you know, enough cards uh, by now and, and even some confirmation in this article that Shift and Floodborne are pretty intricately linked. You know, it, I don't know if we'll see cards with Shift that aren't Floodborne or Floodborne cards um, that don't have Shift. Um, but I, th- I think the idea is that they're, they're pretty connected and, and Blake, uh, I did, I did like your idea of, you know, um, you know, too much ink or, or even, you know, corrupted ink. I think, I think maybe the, the threat, you know, is called the flood. I think that, you know, that, mm, yeah. um, ominous dar- darkness, um, you know, could be what, what's the flood and maybe it's not sentient, um, sentient, um, but you know, maybe it is, and maybe it is corrupting the ink um and you know when when you create a glimmer with this corrupted ink um it doesn't end up the way you intended um you know it ends up um you know as something slightly slightly new and and lore wise you know shifting from a character that already exists to a floodborne version you know that that could just be um, uh, you do need to you need need to pay some some cost some resource um, to shift from um, you know to shift from the base character to the floodborne. So maybe that um, maybe lore wise in story that um, resource that you're spending, whether it be ink or story star or whatever, um, maybe that has been you know corrupted by this flood by this you know darkness. I think I like the the term shift because it kind of implies movement, right? And you're changing and it ties very well with the floodborne concept where it's like, you know, flood is a lot of liquid normally. Right. And, and so the idea that this thing is fluid or amorphous or what have you um, really lends itself well to that term shift. So too, does from a aspect of, you know, light and illumination and all this is the idea of like a prismatic nature of Mm -hmm. light or color or whatever and we don't know much yet still about how all the pieces fit but i think it's probably tied to one of those two where it's either like you know a an overwhelming amount of ink that means that these things are kind of liquid and they can change shape and that's what shifting is or maybe there's a way to kind of shift colors or, or kind of shift the illumination what have you to uh to bend to its will or what have you um, from a lore perspective, but it's interesting. So the only slight pushback that I would give the three of you on this uh, theory is that in the article, it specifically says that these floodborne characters are from stories that actually happened in Lorcana. So 
uh, you were talking about summoning a character and when you're summoning it, maybe it's corrupted ink or when it was brought down, it was like changed. Um, but if it's uh, from a story that actually happened in Lorcana, it feels like these stories, it feels like these floodborne characters would have been purposefully summoned. And what, what do you think about that, Blake? Uh, I will say that it does kind of hold true because we need to have that glimmer in Lorcana first and then the flood part happens uh, in game because we need to, well, we don't have to, but it's recommended gameplay wise uh, to play the Floodborne characters out for cheaper on top of another glimmer that already exists. So lore wise, I could see it being something that happens after we brought this glimmer and maybe and maybe for like Hades, uh, there's something dark about the ink that's calling to him and he's like, oh, I'm going to go get some more ink and this will give me more power and now I can rule over Olympus or something like that. It, just my theory on that sort of take. <laughs> so the way I understand it, story stars are like the source material. They're the stories. So that is the original Disney character. Yeah. Inside Lorcana, those there's story stars in Lorcana, but that's just like like the pages of a book, let's say. It's just that they exist there. They don't exist as actual characters until you infuse the stars with the ink into the lore book and create them. So if so floodborn don't exist and dreamborn and storyborn glimmers even none of those actually exist as glimmers until you infuse some ink and create them so floodborn don't happen obviously until you create them so whether so I think that is the thing is whether they are created after as a result of something going wrong while you're creating a storyborn or a dreamborn or if it's something that happens after the glimmer is already created existing in Lorcana as a glimmer and then something happens to it to change it while it's in Lorcana and no longer just the source material i think that's where we're going to have uh what's happening with you know and and explain that with the the shift and the floodborn and all of that and where it's coming from yeah, i yeah. think not, not to over-index on the kind of ink concept, but I think one of the things that exists with uh, writing ink, at least, is blotting paper, which is to kind of remove excess ink when you're writing with it. And so imagine that this magical ink that we're, we're using, we don't we just don't have any blotting paper or a blotter or whatever you want to call it. And, and okay. so effectively, sometimes when we create these glimmers, maybe there's just excess ink and you know, sometimes it's our dreams come to life, which is dreamborn. Sometimes it's the story stars, original story, which is kind of storyborn. And sometimes there's just a little bit too much magical ink flowing and you get a floodborn. I don't know. Lucid dreams, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and, and unfortunately, we're not going to find out, I don't think anytime soon, because the quote is, we'll learn more about floodborn glimmers in upcoming sets. So I don't think we're going to find out, maybe not even until the end of the first year, if that, like, more of the complete story we may get little tidbits but i mean i don't know when we're going to find out like the whole story of it i mean i, I hope we find it within the first year but it's going to take a little while i think calling it now blotting paper set four 
<laughs> the blotting shield, right? All right. Well, this has been a great conversation. Is there anything we missed that you guys want to talk about? Well, before we get to our news roundup, I want to take a moment and acknowledge uh, each of you. Um, Cyril, George, uh, you just for fun decided to create this amazing deck building tool over at dreamborn.inc. I want you to take a moment with us and share with us uh, what you're up to uh, with that and plug that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's probably a little bit premature to actually have a deck builder for Lorcana, given we have, I don't know, 25-ish cards and we don't know the rules or anything yet. Um, but yeah, I was kind of looking for a way to contribute back to the community. And, you know, I'm not a podcaster. I'm not a YouTuber, um, not a great writer of articles. And I think there's other folks who have done amazing jobs. Artem has Lorcania and the Moosh Report is a great wiki and articles. And so I figured, you know, I can code and I was looking to get back into coding. So I created dreamborn.inc. And obviously it's too early to really use, but, you know, if, if folks notice any issues with it or uh, have any ideas for me, please do seek me out. Um, I'm on the Lorcana HQ Discord is surreal. Or on Twitter as Dreamborn Inc. And always looking for feedback or ideas. Well, it's a beautiful looking website and has a great Thanks. user interface. And I think it's going to be a great resource. Um, okay. And Leverum, Blake, you are a member of the Glimmer Gang podcast. And uh, what, that's, one of, that's one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. But you are also starting your own YouTube channel all about lore. I mean, so tonight has really been right up your wheelhouse. So tell us more about your upcoming YouTube channel. Basically, uh, this channel is going to be under my username, uh, Warlock Leverum. So you'll just search that into YouTube. And hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, the first video will be up. But basically, I will be doing... A lot of what we kind of did tonight, uh, just going over what we've gotten so far and just some theory videos going over some things that I anticipate to see coming up and what we might see for the story and just having fun reading into the lore and seeing what we can glean from it until we get more info well, and I will say this, you gave me a sneak peek of the audio part of it. I mean, it's going to be video as well, um, but you gave me a sneak peek of the audio and it sounds amazing. Like it sounds like a really well produced um, audio and I can't wait to see what this looks like. It's going to be something worth checking out. So when you have that up, I mean, hopefully you can send me the link and we can include it in the, the show notes. All right. And finally, Parker, uh, you don't have any like content or podcasts that you do, but I you're super active on the Lorcana HQ Discord server. And I always love what you have to say. So if people want to get a hold of you, I know you're in the Lorcana HQ, but is there anywhere else that you're active? Um, no, that's really the only place I'm active right now. I mean, I have my own personal Twitter account that I uh, used to um you know, browse around, but, but no, I mean, if you uh, ever want to talk about anything, work on it, hit me up on, on the discord. Um, yeah. Like, uh, like Jared said, I've got nothing to plug, um, but I've just, I've been uh, really pleased with this community um, so far. I know that, you know, a lot of the times um, gaming communities, particular 
particularly trading card communities can get pretty toxic and hostile. Um, but I've just absolutely loved, um, loved this community so far for me, this has been, you know, a lot of fun. It, it's just kind of like, um, you know, a scavenger hunt or, or a puzzle, you know, to work out. Um, so I, I love hearing everybody's opinions on, on, uh, you know, all the, all these different speculations. Um, so uh, I, I'm just happy to be a part of it. All right. So let's jump into the summary of the news and there's not a whole lot this week, uh, but we did get one card reveal. It was Tigger and it was revealed on the first day of spring um, from the Disney Lorcana account. And it was titled springing into spring art by Kenneth Anderson. It's a six cost for strength for defense and it has the evasive mechanic with the traits of Storyborn and Tigger. Blake, what do you think about this card? One, I just love that his uh, subtype or archetype includes uh, Tigger. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I just find that so flavorful. He's um, not a hero. He's not a villain. He's not an ally. He's just Tigger because he's the yep. only one. D-I-D-D-R. Double gut er. <laughs> That spells Tigger. <laughs> Basically seems like a nice, uh, slightly cheaper Mickey, potentially. Uh, it just builds up nicely. Uh, I could see uh, if Red gets a lot more evasive cards, that just a nice evasive package that builds up uh, more and more evasive and stronger evasive characters. So... I think evasive could be a pretty strong ability. Oh yeah, for sure. These are some tanky cards between him and Mickey. Bit tanky and hard to get rid of uh, other than Dragonfire or many other actions that we get along those lines. And if you combine this with Aurora's ward ability, I mean, this is something they were talking about on Lorcana Cardpool, so I stole this from, from him. But, uh, I mean, if you had Aurora on the board protecting your evasive characters, how strong is that? It's busted. (laughs) Pretty strong, yeah. You got to start digging through quite a bit in order to get those evasive characters. So, hmm, maybe Ruby Sapphire deck. Hmm. (laughs) That sounds nice. (laughs) I like the flavor text, too. I'm the bounciest bouncer that ever bounced. All right. Uh, Do you have anything to add to this, James? I know no, we have I, you doing I research just, right now. Yeah, uh, I just love that, you know, we're getting a new franchise. We got Tigger, who is awesome. And uh, I just can't wait to see what, what new cards they, they bring. Because, I mean, so far, everything's awesome. <laughs> you almost made me start singing the song. All right. So is there any other news that we missed? I think this has pretty much been it. That's that's about yeah. it. Yeah, those there was a big week last week with those two articles and the prices and the story and everything. And then this week we got a card so far. Yep. <laughs> okay, well then we're going to move into Jeopardy. And Blake has kindly agreed to be our Jeopardy contestant. So uh James, fire away. You know you know how to play Jeopardy, right, Blake? I do, and I've been listening, so yeah. Okay. Well, take it away. <laughs> I gotta uh, give me just a second to find one more. I've gotta find the another kind of hard one here oh, we didn't take enough time no it's fine it'll take <laughs> i only need one more 
it, it is difficult. Like you scroll through them and you're like, is this too hard or is this is this a 500 level question? All right. So we're ready for some trivia here. Uh, okay. For 100, this is the name of Cinderella's stepmother. That's for 100? Her <laughs> <laughs> uh, stepmother's name. Can I give a clue? Yes. Uh, lady. Her title is Lady. Yeah. And yeah who exactly is lady tremaine yeah there you go there we go <laughs> all right for 200 see I, i'm gonna these are gonna be like oh the 200 should have been the 100 and the 400 <laughs> no, you're fine <laughs> uh this is the armor that the kakamoro uses in moana oh no you found a movie i haven't gotten to see yet oh no <laughs> It's been on my watch list forever. Oh, you have to see it. The music is so like, good. I told you, you should have seen it by now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to have to pass on this one because I have not seen Moana. It's a, uh, is it a fruit? Is it? And you can get milk out of it. Coconut? What's a coconut? Yep. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Next one. This might be another. We might hit you with another one that uh, you haven't seen, but we'll see. This is the name of the hamster in Bolt. Oh, I have seen Bolt, but it's been a while. It's been a long time. Yeah, I haven't seen it since about the year it came out. And yeah. James comes with the tough questions. Right. I mean, I do. I do have to keep my five for five going and make sure I always put in a question that no one can get. Right? <laughs> That's just rude. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm gonna have to take the loss for this one. <laughs> my hint is is that it's something that would be the exact, no, well, not the exact, but definitely an opposite of a hamster. Who is Biggs? <laughs> it's. Rhino, Rhino, Rhino. Uh, I, I was going through a list of names, but I re realized they were all the uh, guinea pigs for Jeep Force. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think what is the opposite of a hamster? <laughs> a big giant armored creature. <laughs> yep. Okay. All right. For four hundred. What kind of animal killed Tarzan's birth parents? Or this is the animal that killed Tarzan's birth parents. Ooh. What is a leopard? Yes. All right. Yeah. Uh. All right. So now for one that I thought was going to be extremely hard, but we shall see. Mm -hmm. This is the name of Bambi's love interest. Oh man, to talk about a movie I haven't seen even longer. <laughs> oh goodness, it's been so long. I would have never got this, by the way. And I saw the movie like, I don't know, six months ago. <laughs> uh, give, a, give or take a decade for me. Jeez, it's been a long time. <laughs> 
uh, I want to say, oh, I'm going to have to give up <laughs> on this one. I cannot think of. It's similar to a salt solution. To a salt solution? Instead of saline. Uh, that's failing, isn't it? It is. Yes. That was a great guess. Hey. That was a great hint. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, it's late, and I gave you some apparently all 500 point questions. It's all subjective. Uh, yeah. Someone's 100, and someone's 500. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Jared asked me a question once that I had seen the movie like two days before and couldn't remember the answer. So, <laughs> that's how bad I am sometimes. Oh, uh, all right. I made well, it through, though. I got some right. <laughs> yes, he did. All right. So, if they want to, if people want to find you online besides your new uh, YouTube channel, where can they find you, Blake? Uh, mainly the Lord Connor HQ is where I spend most of my time. Um, Glamour Gang podcast, uh, we're trying to get uh, to a weekly slash bi-weekly schedule. Uh, so, uh, just hearing me there and then YouTube, hopefully starting, uh, alongside the airing of this podcast um and um i do have other socials but i will i'm working on getting set up on uh lorcania so i will have that my profile up there and with all my other socials uh listed there once uh i get everything together nice and that does remind me if, if you are hearing this sometime in the future and you want to find out about Almost anyone that we've had as a guest that's another content creator, Lorcania.com most likely has links for all their social media links for them. So, yes, if you want to find Blake, probably anytime, sometime within a week or so after this, go look on Lorcania.com. You'll probably find him. You can find where out where he is. Absolutely. Thanks, Artem. And if you liked what you heard, you can subscribe to our podcast, our YouTube channel, all the above. And you can follow me on Twitter at Citizens of Lurkana. And James, where can they find you? I'm everywhere at Dan Regal. And you can check out geekshotphoto.com for links for my wife and I and all the photography and everything like that that we have done. And uh, thank you all for joining us and for listening. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.